0: and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life.
1: This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in the place of authority dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And if you want to turn your Bibles again to Genesis chapter 28. Two Sundays ago we dealt with vows, and even though as we mentioned over the years ministers have abused what the Bible says about vows, it doesn't change the fact that vows and making our word come to pass have great power. And in that message we mentioned Jacob as an example. And so we're taking some time to go back and review, deal with what we see, what we learn from the life of Jacob. And it can be an encouragement for us all because uh, Jacob didn't get started on the right foot. Amen. And so Jacob's story and what God did reminds us of the grace and the mercy of God. And so as we learned last Sunday, Jacob left home with nothing but a stick because of his actions, because of his conduct, because of what he had done. He had left home with nothing but a stick. But over time, God blessed him. The Bible tells us to despise not the day of small beginnings. You might be young and just getting started, or maybe at a point, you're at a point in your life where you've made wrong choices along the way. Don't be discouraged with God All things are possible, amen. And you might have small beginnings right now. You might say, Austin, I feel like I'm like Jacob, made a lot of mistakes, I've done a lot of things wrong, and I have nothing but a stick. The Bible reminds us to despise not the day of small beginnings. Our Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you. And He wants to wonderfully provide for you in every area of your life. He wants your every need met with plenty left over. He wants to prosper you and to bless you. Excuse me. And so you have to open your eyes to what the word of God says and know that he loves you and he wants to bless you. Now the tithe, as we saw last Sunday, it is a tenth or 10% of all the increase that God blesses us with. After the 9 a.m. service, a lady in the church walked up to my father, and she said, Pastor, we have it so easy now. And she shared with Pastor how in her daily Bible reading, she had been reading in the Old Testament about them coming before the Lord and bringing offerings, animal sacrifices. And so after the first service, she told Pastor, we have it so easy. We don't have to bring goats to church. We don't have to bring chickens to church. We don't have to make sure we got seven lambs or eight lambs or nine lambs or whatever it is. You know, most things now are electronic. They're so easy. It is so much easier for us to obey God today. And we have to be mindful of that. The tithe is a tenth or 10% of all the increase our Heavenly Father blesses us with. And in ancient times, they would honor God with their livestock or crops or when they had a monetary economy, they would honor God that way. And you and I may not be farmers, we may not have livestock or crops, but that doesn't change the fact that our Heavenly Father has given us every gift, every talent, and every ability that we have. And the Bible says the earth is the Lord's. And for us to walk in His blessing, for us to be prospered by Him, we are to give Him His part, His share in the harvest. We are to honor Him, and it is about honor. We are to honor him with the 10th of all that crosses our hands. This is the way we explain it to our children. The first dollar out of every $10 belongs to the Lord. The first $10 out of every $100 belongs to the Lord. The first $100 out of every $1,000 belongs to the Lord. The first 1000 out of every $10,000, it belongs to the Lord. A few years ago, after my wife Jessica had mentioned it to the pastor several times... Pastor wrote his newest workbook called Bridges of Faith, and that's in the cafe, and there are many bridges of faith, but one of them is walking in financial covenant with God. It is a bridge of faith that simply has to be crossed as you believe his word, as you step out in faith and take action on his word. Now, as I said last Sunday, I know we live in a culture that likes to water things down, so literally after a half hour or 45 minutes, you don't know what I said, or there is no tangible action point. But we're, we're not doing generic here at Faith Christian Center. And we're not going to water down things here at Faith Christian Center. We're not, we're not serving a generic brand cola here at Faith Christian Center. A few years ago, someone sent me a link of one of these generic sermons now on giving. And during the sermon, there was a PowerPoint slide or presentation. And at the top was tithing or working God's plan. But under that were 25 other options before getting to crossing the bridge of faith and just obeying God. And down at the very, very bottom was the category potential giver. Well, friend... If you live and walk at that level, you're never gonna walk in the blessing of God. And if I presented the Word of God in that way, I would be doing you a great disservice because I wouldn't be telling you about all that is possible with the Lord and just living life His way. His way is the best way. And in our finances, it is a bridge of faith, it is a point of obedience. Why do so many believers, they've been Christians 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, why do they fail to walk in the blessing of God? Well, as Jesus told us, they don't give. And that explains why it is not being given back unto them. Or as Paul would tell us, they don't sow, and because they don't sow, there's no reaping, there is no harvest. Our Heavenly Father wants your every need met. He wants you to have more than enough, but we have a part to play in our lives, and our finances, we must take action. And to walk in his blessing, you got to cross the bridge of faith. you got to step out in faith, cross the bridge of faith, and decide that no matter what's going on in the world, you're going to do it God's way. And you're going to handle your money and your finances God's way. Now, as we saw in Genesis 28, Jacob vowed to give God a tithe, a tenth of all that crossed his hands. And no doubt he learned that from his father, Isaac, and from his grandfather, Abraham. Genesis 28, beginning in verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow, which is a solemn pledge, a solemn commitment, a solemn oath, saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey that I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear. I said last Sunday, that sounds a lot like what Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 seeking the kingdom first and all these things being given unto us so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Out of how much? All that you give me, I will give you how much? A tenth. And praise God, this has been God's plan and it has not changed. Amen? Our Heavenly Father is not like the federal government. It's 10% last year, 15% this year, 18% next year, 35% the year after that. His plan has been the same. We just have to work His plan. And working His plan is to your benefit. As we saw last Sunday, despite Jacob's past, despite his failings, despite his shortcomings, despite his Terrible and serious character flaws. This is the moment when Jacob got right with God. It was the moment when he embraced his family's pattern of faith. And as I said last Sunday, you just have to decide, are you going to be a Jacob or are you going to be an Esau? And, and I don't have time to review that, but there are young people and they're, they're toying around with, they're trying to decide what road they're going to head down well you just have to decide that you're all in and you're going to live for God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Doesn't matter what's going on in the world and the culture. You're going to be a Jacob and not an Esau. So he embraced his family's pattern of faith, his family's way of walking with the Lord. He had been a deceiver. Jacob's name literally means he who grasps the heel or he who supplants. That means pushes others out of the way in trying to get something or to obtain something, which is the world's way, not God's way. He was a cheater, a defrauder, a trickster, a deceiver. He was also a liar. He lied to his brother. He lied to his own father when his father was infirm or aged at the end of his life. And then he was on the run. Before Genesis 28, there's no encounter There's no account of Jacob trying to make things right with God. So he was on the run from home and from family. He was, as we could say, at the lowest point in his life. But in Genesis 28, 15, God said to him, I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And it was at that moment that Jacob made his vow that he was going to live like his grandfather. He was going to live like his father. And of all that God blessed him with, he would give him a tenth of all that crossed his hands. And over time, tell your neighbor, say, over time. time. Tell your other neighbor, say, "Over over time. Our Heavenly Father blesses good stewardship. It is amazing how most of the parables that Jesus taught are about stewardship. Stewardship of some kind. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen by 3 p.m. tomorrow. That said, if you will cross the bridge of faith, you'll be amazed at what God will do in a very short period of time. Over time, Jacob became a wealthy man, a blessed man, a rich man because of partnering his life together with God because of his vow. God met him on the run and in the middle of nowhere, Jacob partnered his life together with God. He made his grandfather's God, his God. He made his father's God, his God. And then he said, I will honor you. The same way my grandfather honored you, I will honor you. The same way my father honored you, I will honor you. I'll live for you the same way. I will honor you with my wealth. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10 is a verse you'll hear us use sometimes in offerings which says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And again, as I said last Sunday, if you want to find a website or a blog or someone on Facebook telling you what you want to hear, you will find it. And you get people and they say, well, you know, they gave offerings with livestock or the harvest, but, you know, we don't have that kind of society anymore, so we're off the hook. Evaluate the fruit of the life of the person you are listening to. Jesus said to judge a tree by its fruit. And a good tree produces what kind of fruit? And when it comes to marriage, the person you don't want advice from is the person that has had 25 failures in a row. And this is true in every area of life. Honor, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits or first of all your crops. The Living Bible says honor him by giving him the first part of all your income. So Jacob made this decision to step out in faith and to live like his grandfather, Abraham, and to live like his father, Isaac, when he had nothing, just a stick, a staff in his hand. And this should encourage you. It's easier to commit. It's easier to decide to be all in, 100% committed, when you have nothing or very little like Jacob. He left home disgraced with just a staff, a stick in his hand. But years later, about 20 years later, he returned home a rich man. Now, as I said, and my job is to present the word of God to you without watering it down, without sanitizing it. My job is to tell you the truth. And part of the truth of Jacob's life and story is that because of all the bad seeds he sowed, he had some negative harvest on the way. In the midst of all the blessing, he had some negative harvest upon the way. But even with that negative harvest, even with sowing and reaping, as 20 years went by, he was a blessed, blessed man. When you're that blessed, when you're as blessed as Jacob, a little negative harvest there, there can't stop you, and it sure enough cannot slow you down. So over time, he walked in the blessing of God when he returned home, he feared his brother Esau, whom he had wronged. So Jacob prayed in Genesis 32 and verse 9. He prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. What did God say to him? I will make you prosper. I will make you prosper. God didn't say, I'll make you the tail, not the head. God didn't say, I'll diminish you. I'll decrease you. You know, it's amazing how believers have distorted what you have in the Word of God. Sure we have to give things some things up to live for God. Like sin. Like the ways of the world. Like wrong habits or wrong associations. But people take that and they twist it and you get believers and they're living in sin, the same sins year after year, and they think the things they're supposed to give up is the blessing of God. They've got it completely backwards so you give up what's wrong to have room for what's right and to have room for his blessing and his favor and his increase he rehearsed this god said i will make you prosper verse 10 i am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown i had only my staff when i crossed this jordan river but now i have become two groups When he fled from home, he went to stay with his uncle, Laban, who, like Jacob, had been. Laban was a liar. Laban was a cheat. He defrauded Jacob more than once. You read the story of Jacob. It says that he actually changed Jacob's wages ten times. Yet despite all of that, when he went home 20 years later, he was a blessed man. Despite his uncle living off of him, despite his uncle ripping him off and taking advantage of him and changing his wages 10 times, when Jacob went home, he was a blessed man. And he was so blessed that they had to spread out and travel in groups. Otherwise, it would be too much for the land to take. So he started out with nothing but a stick, but over time, he was a blessed man. Now here at Faith Christian Center, our heart's desire is that you be blessed in every single area of life. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we want you to walk in God's best in every area of life. That's, that's why we teach the way we do. That's why we give the advice that we give. That's why when a young person comes to us and says, well, should I date or should I marry an unbeliever? We say, no, a thousand times no. And the reason is we want you to walk in God's best. You know, in the last year and a half, a young man came to me, and it was one of these situations where he he found someone, but dated them, and we never saw them until right before the wedding. And he didn't want Aaron to do the marriage counseling. He didn't want me to do the, the marriage counseling. And no, we, knew, we knew nothing about the situation. But we could tell she didn't have the joy of the Lord. So he entered into this situation. Not God's best. Then he, then he comes to me with the problem. Miserable. A young newlywed being locked out of his house. That he paid for, by the way. And I just said, young man, are you Are you happy? And he burst into tears and cried. See, the best way is God's way. And the culture may say otherwise. A wrong friend or relationship may say otherwise. But his way is the best way. And that's true in marriage. That's true in family. That's true in work. That's true in child raising. And that is true with our money and our finances. So let the story of Jacob encourage you. Maybe you've made some wrong decisions Maybe you got started on the wrong foot. Maybe you're at a place where you have nothing or very little. Give your entire life to God. Put God first in every area of your life, including in your finances. Honor God with your wealth and finances. And as he blesses you, as he takes you to new levels, continue to honor God. And if you'll do that, there'll be no end to his blessing. Say this, say, if I will honor God there will be no limits there will be no end to his blessing now again does this all happen by 3 p.m. tomorrow no but over time you walk in greater and greater and greater blessing I said last Sunday that since Jessica and I have been married over these years since 2006 it is amazing what God has done And he's enabled us to do more every year, to give more every year, but we're not diminished, we are increased. In all of our hearts, we should desire to be a blessing to the kingdom of God. We should desire to fund the gospel, to fund missions, to fund being a blessing to those in need. We should all desire to be paymasters for the kingdom of God. What's a paymaster? Someone whom God can bless. Someone who, when God says, I would like you to do this or give this, when he taps you on the shoulder, you say, yes. If if you purpose in your heart to be a tither, to be a giver, our Heavenly Father will give you seed to sow. He'll give you seed to sow. And over time, he'll make you rich so you can be generous on every occasion. There are many believers and they want this or that or they're believing for this or that, or they're trying to get to this or that level, but they have failed to understand how our Heavenly Father operates. They have misunderstood, or they don't get it. They don't understand how our Heavenly Father operates. He gives us all seed to sow. Just as He gives each of us a measure of faith, at our level, at your level, whatever level you're at, He gives us seed to sow. And that's how He operates That's how he separates the faithful from pretenders. He gives us seed to sow. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul tells us that God supplies seed to who? The sower. So if you're not a sower, does God need to supply you with seed to sow? And again, this is the problem with watering things down and telling people, well, right now you're a potential giver, but you got 20 stages to walk through before you get to God's plan. They'll never get there, especially when they only come to church when Dr. Fauci says it's okay, or once or twice a year. They will never, they'll never get there. And the minister then is robbing them of the blessings of God. He gives us seed to sow. He supplies seed to who? The sower. And if you prove yourself faithful over time, Paul tells us he'll supply and increase your store of seed that's your capacity that's your ability to be a blessing and to be a blessing at bigger levels if you've been here a while or you've read one of my father's books like the god touch in the cafe perhaps you've heard my father say that over time anyone in america can become a millionaire and that's before you factor in the blessing of the lord but friends the truth is not everyone will operate at that level As he said at 9 a.m. today, not everybody is going to work that hard. Not everyone is going to practice good stewardship. Not everyone is going to save and invest. Not everyone is going to work that hard. Not everyone is going to obey God or to obey God sufficiently. Not everyone is going to tithe or to give and to be generous. But that does not change the fact that with God all things are possible. That's why one of my favorite verses is Matthew 9 and verse 29 where Jesus said, according to your faith will it be done unto you. If you think you can, you can. If you believe you can, you can. And if in your heart you believe that God can take you to greater levels, all things are possible with the Lord and with the blessing of the Lord. But the key is to work His plan and to take action day after day, little by little and that's not always the fun part and this is why people pursue other avenues to bypass God's plan praise God we believe in the laying on of hands there there is a purpose and there is an anointing in the laying on of hands but that will not fix someone's refusal to take action Monday through Saturday the hard work that life requires to walk in the blessing of God our Heavenly Father, He wants to take you to new levels. But we have to work the Word. We have to work His plan. We have to do our part. Now from a biblical perspective, from the perspective of God's Word, what does it mean to be rich? Rich simply means to be amply supplied with plenty left over, with more than enough. I I would say it this way, to, to come to the place where you're not thinking about it, to come to the place where you're not worried about it. To come to the place where every time your, your wife, your honey says, we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to buy this, it is time to order clothes for Easter. You can say, okay, with a smile on your face, without breaking out your phone to check if it's okay. Rich is being amply supplied with more than enough with plenty left over. Rich is having enough money to take care of your family and your children and their needs, food clothes, tuition braces, whatever needs to be taken care of rich is having enough to have money set aside for the future not just for yourself but for your, your spouse, your wife your children the Bible says a good man, what kind of man? a good man, or we would say a good woman leaves an inheritance for his children's children, see, see we got to think bigger And so when people are just opposed to working God's plan, they're not not someone who walks in love. They're not someone who's generous. They're thinking only of themselves. See, we ought to be thinking about not just our family and not just our children. We ought to be thinking about our grandchildren. So rich is having enough to set money aside for rainy days and for the future. Rich is having enough money to do all those things and still have plenty left over to be generous on every occasion. What made Jacob come to this place? What compelled him? What influenced him to finally surrender his life to God and to live like his grandfather and father? In Genesis 28:15, God told Jacob, I am with you. say, so, so he is with me. God told Jacob, I will watch over you wherever you go. Say, say, my God watches over me wherever I go. He told him, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So he's with us. He's watching over us. He, what Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And God told Jacob that until I have done everything... I promised you. And so then he made his vow to honor God, to give God a tenth of all that crossed his hands. Consider all that God has done for us. We've been saved from our sins. We've been delivered from every bondage and work of Satan. We are now the children of God, a part of the family of God. When you consider all that God has done for us, 10% is very little to ask of all that crosses our hands when you consider all that God has done for us it is a small thing to honor God with 10% of all that crosses our hands just this past week Jessica Jessica and I were in the car with the kids you know sometimes when nap time doesn't go well the solution is put them all in the car believing God that they will all fall asleep on the way well as Fred Price says there's faith there's foolishness and then there's presumption amen and, you know, I've learned Samuel falls asleep, then Julia wakes him up. It doesn't always go well. So anyway, we were, we were working this plan of trying to get everybody to take a nap at the same time, amen? And so we, we drove through Starbucks and just got two iced lattes. It was $11. This, this is the time, this is the place, this is the culture we live in. So if God blesses me with $100, it is no big deal to give $10 to the Lord and to believe his word that he will not only replace it, but he will make it up to us. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. How many? Many enter through it. So somebody might say, well, Austin, you know, you got you to tone it down you gotta, you got to water it down. you got to break out that slide and, and do a series on being a potential this and a potential that. There is no power in that. There is no blessing in it. And just because a lot of people are doing it doesn't mean that's God's way or God's best or the blessed way. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And how many find it? Only a few. And it's a sad thing because our Heavenly Father is wonderful. He has done so much for us. And just like that wonderful testimony I shared, God doesn't want to just do that for one person or one family. He wants to do it for everyone. But Jesus said, whosoever will. You got to believe. You got to take action. You got to step out in faith. So I'm so thankful for all that God has done for us and for our family and for the church. I'm so thankful to be his child, and a part of his family. And if our Heavenly Father asked me to tithe with no promises attached to it, I would simply do it out of gratitude. Think of all of his wonderful promises. And think of everything his word says. Every promise about giving and about tithing. And yet, so many refuse. They refuse to work his plan. But praise God, I'm not one of the many I'm one of the few. And praise God, you're not one of the many, you are one of the few. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run or look to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. So say this, say praise God, praise God. That's, me. that's me. Look over at your neighbor and say praise God, praise God. that's you. Look over at your other neighbor, say, Praise God. God. That's you. you. So, we don't have to go along with whatever the culture's doing. We don't have to go along with whatever the world's doing. And you might say, Austin, it's more and more wicked, more and more and more, all of these things going on. Abraham walked with God in the midst of Canaan. Isaac walked in the blessing of God surrounded by Philistines. And Jacob, Surrounded by lying, conniving, cheating, thieving family. Walked in the blessing of God. So it doesn't matter what year we're living in. It doesn't matter what's going on out there in the world. We can walk in the blessing of God. Consider this. Jacob had fewer promises than we do. He had fewer promises than we do as Christians under the new covenant. And Paul tells us that all of the promises of God are yes, and amen in christ so we don't have fewer promises we have more promises we have better promises we have greater promises so compared to jacob we ought to be more motivated to obey god we ought to be more motivated to work god's plan we ought to be more motivated to do things god's way there's coming a day when you and i will rest from our work that's not tomorrow amen But there's coming a day when we will rest from our labors and we will dwell in the city of God, a city with streets paved of gold. He owns the cattle and the gold on a thousand hills. If $100 comes into my hands and I bring to my heavenly father $10, the ancient of days can replace it. The ancient of days can increase it. If he is God and his word is true, He can replace it. He can increase it. He can more than make it up to me. And if you look in your Bible in Malachi 3, you find out it is only with honoring God that he says we can test him in this. Only once. And generally, most people know, even if they only go to church once or twice a year, they know it's not a good idea to test God. Yet once in his word, he tells us we can test him. Look in Malachi 3 in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yeah, you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. And if you read all of Malachi, what they were doing is they they were going through the motions. And they were putting on a great big display, acting like they were obeying God. But at the end of the day, our Heavenly Father knows everything. Even if your husband or wife doesn't, He knows everything. He knows whether you're really obeying Him. I'm going to tell a story. This is a long time ago, so don't try and figure out who this is. No one knows who this is, but a long time ago, maybe more than 20 years ago, it got to a new year, giving reports went out, and there there was a husband that was perplexed because his way of giving was to set aside their tithe in cash and to give the tithe in cash to his wife to bring to church on Sunday to give. And so he knew how much money he had given her over the course of a year to give. And so that was the the amount he expected to see when he got his giving report. Well, unbeknownst to him, his wife was a cheat and a robber, robbing him, robbing God. And so what she had been doing was helping herself to that tithe money to use it however she wanted. And maybe part of the dynamics and the problem was that he wasn't being a blessing to her. Men, part of working God's plan is not just being a blessing to the kingdom of God, but being a blessing to your wife and children so your wife doesn't feel like she's got to steal the tithe money. So it would be fair to her. But anyway, it was a problem. It was a dilemma because he expected one amount and saw it was another and found out from her that she had been helping herself. And what they were doing in Malachi's day, instead of bringing what was first and what was best, They they were bringing what was second or third or fourth. They they were bringing animals that had been injured. They were bringing animals that had defects. They were were bringing acting as if this is what's first, this is what's best when it isn't. And so the Lord said, well, a man robbed God, yet you rob me, but you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. How much? So our Heavenly Father knows whether we're working as planned or playing games. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. And this is the only time in the Bible God says we can test it. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, the new King James says, or I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit. So the fruit of your life, the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your work won't be spoiled. This is the only time in his word when God says, test me. Yet there are millions of believers and they're so prejudiced against prosperity and the blessing of God. They so refuse to give and to love and to be generous. They won't even test God in this. So you gotta shake yourself loose from religion and tradition. You've gotta shake yourself loose from the prejudices or wrong beliefs or wrong attitudes you were raised with. You gotta shake yourself loose from the opinion of others. You gotta shake yourself loose from a poverty mentality. Just gotta take God at his word and see. Tell your neighbor, say see. See. Tell your other neighbor, say see. See. If he will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough for it. just gotta decide. I mentioned that bridge of faith. You just got to decide to step out in faith, to cross that bridge of faith, to stretch your faith, and just to see what God will do. A few weeks ago, I shared how in a school assignment, Michaela was asked what she would do if a certain amount of money crossed her hands. And it was a blessing to us as parents because she put on that school assignment that the first thing she would do is tithe. So it made me feel good as a father that she's listening she's paying attention. If a child can understand this, an adult can understand this. If a child can work God's plan, an adult can work God's plan. And yes, we're to be gracious, and we're to walk in love, but when people are, say they're serving the Lord year after year after year, and there's no progress, there are always reasons. We do our best to be gracious, and we do our best to walk in love. Amen? A few, maybe a year, year and a half ago, a man approached me, told me some big, long story, older than me, probably in his 50s, some big, long story. So say, a big, long story. And this was at 5 a.m. prayer. And we're, as my father says, we come to 5 a.m. prayer to do what? So I'm not here at 5 a.m. prayer to hear some big, long story, amen. Now, if somebody's got a wonderful testimony, that's different. But a big, long story, a man older than me, A man who makes six figures. A big, long story about giving five dollars. Now, I'm 39, but here's my perspective. My children operate at that level. And actually, at their level, they tithe and they walk in covenant with God. So if my children can do what's right as children, there's no excuse for a man that's five times as older as them. So it's a choice. It is a decision. And the reason people get stuck is because they, they never start. What you need is commitment. What you need is desire. Jacob started with nothing. But 20 years later, he had become so blessed, he had to return home in more than one group. When we tithe, we acknowledge God as our source and supply. We demonstrate and take action on the word of God. And we show our Heavenly Father. We show Him that we believe His word. And we believe his promises. There are believers, and they're trying to believe God for this. They're trying to believe God for that. But their problem is that they don't love God's work, God's mission, and God's house. And it simply doesn't work. you got to have a right heart. you got to have a right attitude. Remember that verse I read from Chronicles. The Lord is looking to. He's searching to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose hearts are perfect toward him. And that's why Jesus said we're to have faith like a child. That's why Jesus said we're to have faith like someone like Michaela, a little girl who simply believes the word, takes action on the word and works the plan of God. It's about love. It's about commitment. And when it's about love, when it becomes about love in your life, when it becomes about being a blessing in your life, it'll be easy for you to believe God. It'll be easy for you to believe God for extra because your heart is right and He knows He can put it in your hands to be a blessing to others. Love and generosity makes prosperity easy, not hard. Love and generosity makes prosperity easy, not hard. You might say, Austin, it's been hard for me. Well, you need to focus on love and walking in love. You need to focus on a right heart and a right attitude and what it's all about. And then you need to focus on generosity. And maybe you've been generous with the Lord, but you've not been generous with your husband or your wife or your children. Love and generosity makes prosperity easy, not hard.
0: Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, You are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because He loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.